three, two, one. Action. This is YA Dad and Daughter. Today we're talking about How You Ruined My Life by Jeff Strand. Hello, welcome to another episode of YA Dad and Daughter, uh, a belated episode after a lot of adventures in our personal life. Samara and I are back. Uh, we're back with a really funny book, How You Ruined My Life by Jeff Strand. I've read it three times already, mostly because I'm good at forgetting things. And it's, and it's really good. Footnote, published in 2018 from Sourcebooks. I just feel like it's important to do that. Yeah, so we have had a, a whirlwind bunch of weeks here, uh, which is why we haven't had an episode come out. We took an insane 25 family member trip to Ireland and England. We had our own tour bus. We did. We had our own tour bus. It had tables. A lot of Magic the Gathering was played. It was annoying. Um, also, a lot of Red Dragon in. Uh, that was fun. Additions one through four. Actually, just one plus allies decks. A, a shout out to Red Dragon in, which is an amazing game. Yeah, we did that, and then we also uh, another I think highlight is we just finished watching the Lord of the Rings trilogy extended edition, which is pretty awesome, right, Samara? Yay! Yeah, it was one of those things we went into. We I didn't know. Something I always wanted to watch with you, but I didn't know how you'd react because, I don't know, you never know what's going to happen. It was pretty good. We had, we had a lot of fun. Yay. And for what it's worth, those movies hold up. So we wanted to do a funny book because we've been doing some a lot of quite like very serious topical books. Funny books are so much funner. That, yeah. That's probably why it's funny. That's why it's called funny because they're fun. That's true. Uh, what did I mean, just out of the gate, I had never heard of Jeff Strand. I mean, that's mostly because I don't read enough books and uh, i don't i haven't read, you don't YA read books, books. I, I do read books i haven't read a lot of great new recent ya which is one of the reasons we want to do this podcast is because i need to read more ya in middle grade and uh, this was recommended to us by bigfoot reads uh when we asked for we need a funny book yay bigfoot, and, reads. Yay, bigfoot reads and was it was it funny yes it was funny <laughs> i found it fun because it was told from a first person perspective and it's not like it's just the character and telling the story as it happened it was actually the character, and lots of the times, the character whose name is Rod, short for Rodney, he'd actually stop and like sometimes like talk directly to you, which was actually which is kind of fun because it kind of felt like you were in there, you were kind of part of that story a little bit. It was it was a lot of fun, and I thought having Rod as like your first person narrator who like talked to you made it a super fun book to read. <laughs> what do you what do you think about first person first person versus third person? You read a lot, so. I like both. I think it all depends on how they use it. I actually really enjoy third person because with first person, it it depends on what type of third person they're using. If they're using third person omnipresent, that kind of drives me crazy because why are we getting into everybody's heads in one? Like, Because that does make it a little bit crazy and hard to follow. I mean, I do enjoy it when they'll like divide it up, say by chapter, third person omnipresent. So like this chapter, we're focusing on the inside of this, on this person or this person. Right, right. Because that then it's e a bit easier to follow. I enjoy first person a lot because it does give you a very personal perspective on like this, this is this person. I think most of our books have been first person, except for Truly Devious has not been first person. I think Hate You Give was first person. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure Mall Unbound was too, right? Yes. So I enjoy like writing third person. Like I enjoy third person like in Harry Potter sense because that is third person, 
but it does feel kind of more personal on a certain character but it does make it so you're able to get like a look at other people not just that one character in the first chapter i think the fourth book like the riddle house we're not focusing on harry but we're still getting yeah yeah all these all these stories in harry potter like flow into the harry potter story right like his story is all these other subplots and plot lines and characters all are kind of integrated into the whole harry potter's tale right so it's they're all supporting that one main story arc. Harry Potter rules. Let's go Ravenclaw. Well, I was going to ask you because, and this is like a total tangent from, the, <laughs> but I'm just curious because uh, the reason I asked was because I, I feel like f- fantasy oftentimes is very third person, while contemporary fiction definitely goes first person, especially for YA. And I was curious because we have like Harry Potter is third person, and then you've been reading the um, Sarah Moss books, which I think are third person. First person. Actually, no, third person. You're right, third person. Okay. Sorry. For a second, I thought it was the first person. I was wrong there. And then I was thinking about, like, you know, Game of Thrones on the more adult spectrum, kind of how those are third person, but they do what you described, which is where they have a chapter, which is one character. It's third person, but it's one character's perspective. And then they have another chapter that's that character's perspective. So it's not jumping around from character to character in Omnipresent as much. It, it does. It does. I think, I think one reason is it all kind of depends on how, like, because in Harry Potter, the reason I think they focus on just Harry Potter because he's the title character. He's Harry Potter. Yes, he's the boy who lived. I, I still find... No offense to J.K. Rowling. Further tangent. No, no offense to J.K. Rowling, but... I don't think she I just find that the, the whole mother's love was how we did... I just find that kind of lame. Good thoughts on Cooler. But I still love Harry Potter. Don't, don't think I don't because Harry Potter is, like, the greatest. And then I feel like the things with, like, a lot of characters who kind of all have their own plots that's the reason it, it's so it, in omnipresent they use omnipresent because mm-hmm. it's it's not like all the characters are gonna be this one place all the time and so but we need to figure out kind of what's going on like in those sarah boss books um they they have there's a lot of characters who all have their own like subplots and it's she needs to we need to kind of focus on all of those uh, we need to focus on those people yeah and I think that that's called Throne of Glass, right? Yeah. That series. And I, it's interesting because you mentioned like the Riddle House and when Harry Potter started to branch out into other perspectives and other characters. Perspectives. I don't think another branched out to other characters' perspectives, but yes, it did branch out to, to hear more things. about other characters. And I think that's a, I think third person allows an author to do more world building. And I think once Harry Potter became less about Harry Potter going to school and more about like the larger plot lines of Harry Potter, the, the universe he's in the conflict that's happening in the story, you know, the the pure bloods versus the good wizards or whatever. I don't know what the two teams are called, but like once um, it became a big epic story, you started to have to show characters in other places doing other things to make it all come together. I find that that's also a difference between like a series and just one book. In one book, that's you do want to do a little bit of world building just so you can, like people kind of understand. But compared one book to a series, a series you're going to continue in this place. You want everyone to like get like the kind of rules set for this place mm-hmm. well in this book this was just like one book <laughs> i want the world building of, of, of rod's life <laughs> his his epic tale yeah they, they need to make a sequel he, he said he wants he, the, the the character said rodney was like if i ever make a sequel he will apologize for all the annoying things he, he's done in the book it's just switching over to other books thanks rod um well uh, uh, let's do a quick because i do have another question at the tip of my brain that um let's talk about a quick synopsis give us a quick summary of the book okay rod short for rodney uh lives with his mom in this like tiny little house their dad his dad left them when i don't know how old he was but yeah 
Um, they're kind of poor, but that doesn't matter. He's he has, he has a pretty good life. He has a girlfriend. He has a band. They have a gig at this place called The Lane. They don't get paid, but hey, they get to like rock out and have fun. And then his cousin Blake comes, and he pretty much ruins his life. Hence the name, How, I, How You Ruin My Life. And um, he's it just gets kind of annoying. I feel like he doesn't do anything actually. Like, walk up to him, like, smash his guitar. But he, like, like wait for Rod to let him out of the car. He'll slap rat guts in his face and pretend Rod did it. Um, he, he gets Rod broken up with his girlfriend, and he destroys their band. And so Rod finally has had enough, and then he does this big thing at the end of the book, which doesn't turn out so well. So he's more of a manipulator. He's yeah. He's not. He doesn't come up and like smash his guitar, but he like does it all from the inside. He kind of works the and, strings. And the, the annoying thing is he's like with Rodney. He'll be, he'll kind of be kind of annoying and like mean, but not really. But then as soon as anyone else comes, like they're all like, "Oh my god, he's so great. He's yeah. so cool. He's this perfect little angel." That's, I think, one of the most frustrating things about I don't know if there's a subgenre of, of comedy where that is the joke. There's So there's this famous movie that you haven't seen called um, Meet the Parents. And it was uh, a huge success like 15 years ago, maybe. But the whole idea and like so much of the humor was this sort of makes you feel bad and uh, you get frustrated with the characters because the main character is this kind of dorky guy who gets engaged to this... Um, this woman and then she takes him home to meet her family and her parents and it's like everything that could possibly go wrong this guy happens but it happens when no one's around but then when he ends up with them again it looks like he did something horrible but it's like only the audience knows and he knows like sort of what what, what happened to put him in the situation so we know it's not his fault but they always are like what did you do oh. and he's like sorry but it's funny but it's like cringy it's like oh because you know it's not his fault and there was a ton of that in this book it was where blake especially with his mom in the very first scene when after blake gets picked up by rodney at the airport and rodney sort of gets a taste for how blake is pompous and he comes from a wealthy family so he expects all this you know expects him to open and close his door for him to take his bags he constantly is criticizing his car and his house and everything about him but then when Rodney's mom comes home and he's like yeah now you get to see this horrible kid Blake's super polite and like says all these kind of cheesy mom mom things it's like he doesn't say stuff that a kid would say he says stuff to make the mom happy right yeah and then he like orders pizza for them and he's he's all nice and stuff but and, and, it's all a and the entire time Rod, Rod is like oh my god <laughs> poor, poor Rod um so his mom she's she's a she works like two jobs She's she's pretty hardworking. She cares a lot about Rod. Rod loves his um, since she's like always working. Rod has to like make his own lunches and stuff, which is okay because he he's very precise about his spreads. He's peanut butter. So the other like kind of characters that are kind of important to this book are Audrey's girlfriend, who's like really smart, and like she works at the merchandise table for his um, band, Fanged Grapefruit. Fanged yes, grapefruit. Fanged Grapefruit. There's awesome band names and song names in this book. Like one of the best things about it. The first song they ever play is You Can't Train a Goldfish to Catch Popcorn in Its Mouth, So Don't Even Try. All their songs have, like, super long, crazy names. They're probably longer than the songs themselves, which is super short. <laughs> yeah. There's, like, one about how we drank 13, ra uh, like, raspberry slushies or something. And so there were, and so the, the people in his band are Mel, who's, like, you know, glasses, he's in the chess club. <laughs> but he's also, like, plays guitar and sings in this 
punk rock band. And then there's Clarissa. Clarissa, yeah. Who, who's like six foot three <laughs> and plays the drums. And he kind of warns him all, like, Blake's this horrible guy. And then just like with his mom, Blake comes in and he's like all nice and stuff. Blake will like watch their practice and he's like, um, and he's like, you guys are so great. But, and Rod's like, oh yeah, now he's gonna like put us down. They're all gonna hate him. And he's like, but you could work on this. And he gives him critique that actually works. And he's like, oh my gosh. Fooled them all. Well, so that's an interesting, that's an interesting thing. So I wondered after reading this book, so Rod has this great life. He loves it. He, um, it's not perfect, but it's kind of his, you know, he's gotten used to it. And then Blake comes in and starts criticizing it. And Rod starts, you know, kind of his life, even though he was happy with it, it starts being called into question by somebody and criticized by somebody. So Rod has trouble. He then questions himself, you know, it's like he, he wonders, are me and Audrey right for each other? Is the band good enough? All these things, because what happens is Mel and Clarissa start saying, oh, Blake has some great advice. Maybe we should try these things. And it actually helps. It does help. I think that's how Blake's sort of ruling life. He's not actually doing anything. He's being kind of helpful, but it is making Rod question how his life is. And so it's making him kind of take these little risks that might not be the best idea. Right. It, it gets it into his head, right? It gets, it gets into, into his, his head, head a lot. Like when Blake gets them to like go on this like tour and like do the, um, in his, in Rod's car because Rod is scared, uh, doesn't like the looks of the driver who <laughs> the driver Blake the, hires. The quote unquote tour bus, which is like a minivan with a creepy dude who's driving it. So they are going to go on this like little tour thing for like these, these bands they really like, but Fist Knuckles. <laughs> Fist Knuckles. Um, but um, Blake is like, good luck guys. Rod's like, oh, is, is he going to do something to his yeah. performance? Was this all just like, so he could humiliate him and it gets to his head and he doesn't play well at all. And so what, what actually made me wonder is, was this, actually Blake was Blake trying to psych him out or was this just him like is yeah. it, was it just him was Blake did Blake say that because he knew Rod would be like get all stressed was it kind of both like he does call him an evil genius or no he, does, he doesn't call him an evil genius he says that he couldn't be an evil genius his sidekick or something like that he, he, when he's trying to put down Blake because he knows that he, he knows that Blake is trying to do some like evil scheme to to psych him out by by doing you know manipulation as opposed to a direct confrontation but I think his biggest weapon is that that ability to get inside Rod's head and give him this paranoia that wasn't there before. Like, oh, maybe things aren't so good. Or, oh, maybe he's really trying to destroy me when he's actually saying something nice. Because that's kind of Blake's modus operandi, his MO, right? Is that he goes and he says something nice, and then Rod just can't help but obsess over, is this really nice? Or is this just some trick to get in my head? And it ends up that's what blows apart the band, right? As he goes on stage with these like three big shows, and he totally drops the ball. So to speak. yeah, like, Clarissa plays great, Mel plays great, even though he's not the best at guitar. And then there's there's Rod who just can't just can't keep up. Yeah, and they kick him out, like not Blake because he's not in the band. The other two members of the band and they're like kicking out. They actually say that they're gonna drop out of the band and create their own band. And so Rod's like, you know what? So before this actually even happens. Um, so this is the this is the second thing that completely ruins life. There's like two big things that Blake helps do that completely ruin his life. Mm-hmm. The first thing is that he works to break up Rod and Audrey by yeah. sending Audrey these like pictures. This and, like, is a brilliant scheme. This is like yeah. one of my favorite parts of the book. Is yeah. So he'll he first off I think he like 
like spreads a rumor that um not Blake Rod was like talking to this girl for like 45 minutes Audrey calls him and she's like I heard you were talking to something or other I think it was like Brittany or Bethany or something for like 45 minutes outside the lane on the Friday and he's like I, I couldn't I, I'm not allowed the lane on Friday and so he's like it's probably just Blake and she's like okay she, she by then she kind of knows Blake might be kind of a little bit like that and so then she'll, she'll call him up again she's like I saw a picture of you outside of yada yada's house and he's like it's probably just Blake I I got this other picture of you sharing French fry with this girl. He's like, no, that was from was a long time like, ago. He's like, that was from before we were going out. See, my hair is different. He's like, no, it doesn't look different. And so, and, then he, and he's like, it was probably just Blake photoshopping. And she hangs up. And then he gets a call from this girl. Like, I heard you and Audrey broke up. I'm gonna come over. He's like, no, don't. But right before that, he said like, Audrey, come over. We'll talk about it. Right. So Audrey's on, on her way, and so is this like, like Jessica or Jennifer girl. Yes. So I think it's Jessica. I'm just gonna call Jessica her name of Jennifer. So like she like comes over and and he's like on the inside of the door and she's like can I come in? Can I, and he's like no. He's like Audrey's about to come. She's like can I go to the bathroom? He's like no. <laughs> and then she's like are you playing on your phone? He's like yeah. And so she's sitting behind like like just like trying to get her to go away. And then Audrey comes and she she's like kind of upset a little bit. And so they she breaks up with him and the other girl the girl's just like man this guy's a kind of a jerk and yeah. so she she just leaves. And so that's, that's the first thing Ruben's like, and then it's Van. Van like breaks up, and so I think there are ways that he tries to spin it to be not as bad as it is, and I think one of them is that oh, he kind of justifies the Audrey breakup by saying, you know, we maybe we weren't right for each other, maybe she was, because I think Blake after these tears apart, these relationships, Blake tries to justify them by saying, I'm only thinking of you and your best interests, and Audrey and you weren't right for each other. You yeah, could you have, have all met so many girls. cuter girls as leader of a band. Because, like, all these girls, like, after, like, they found out you're a band, they think you're so cool now. And he's like, he, try, he tries to make it seem better than it is. Yeah, and then, but, I mean, Rod starts to say, hey, maybe he's right. A little bit, you know? Yeah, but then once, I think after the band breaks up, then he's just like, you know what? My life has enough. been completely ruined. It's, like, awkward because, like, him and Audrey are lab partners. Mm-hmm. He's, he's upset because, like, he doesn't have a band anymore and... It's kind of awkward with his friends because they're they the kind of the ones who dropped out of the band, and so he's sort of like super upset, kind of mad at Blake, mad at the world, mm-hmm. and so he's like, you know what, Blake? He gets this Blake in the car, like drive home, and he texts his mom. He's like, I'm gonna me and Blake are going over to Mel's house, and she's like, okay, and then he drives, and Blake's like, where are you going? He's like. I'm going to drive you back to California. <laughs> and where do they live? Florida. Florida. So they're going to be driving for three days. He's got a hostage. So oh, so he basically just kidnaps Blake, puts him in a car, and they start driving away. And uh, at one point, like, Blake tries to pull out his phone to call the aunt, and he throws the phone out the window of the car. And then they're, they're driving. He's like, I, I, how am I going to survive these three days without any phone games? I, I was glad to see that they actually had fist fights in this, in this book. They have two different fights where they, like, beat each other up a little bit. And one of them is when they run out, they run out of gas in the car. That, that they, later. The car what was the first one? But uh, the first one was after he breaks up with Audrey. He like attacks him. And, and, then, and then like Blake starts beating him up. He's like, <laughs> okay, this, this is slightly embarrassing. Um, well, Blake is a, he's a, a, like a storm of contradictions, right? He's privileged and kind of doughy and he's lazy, but at the same time, he's like a good fighter. Pretty smart, you can tell. He's not, like he first, uh, Rod isn't sure if he's just like this pampered, lazy butt, but then you find out that like he's really good at breaking apart Rod's life. He does it in a very methodical, very evil and clever way, and it works. 
but you know, I guess that's kind of where the two of them uh, decide to to get over their own issues and kind of work it out. This wasn't the best idea, Brad. Um, yeah, and he so starts he, questioning his own. He's like, "What am I doing? <laughs> am I really going to drive him all the way to California?" So he pulls over the car, and Blake's like, "I need to go to the bathroom." He's like, "No, not happening." He's like, "I really need to go to the bathroom," and he's like, "Fine." So like, they go to the bathroom. Then so they're driving, driving, and then his car breaks down. And then he's like, "Well, this would be the, the, this would usually be the moment where he, he checks his phone and is out of battery." But no worries, so nice. He threw the phone out the window. Um, and so then they have like the fist fight on the side of the road because they're both really mad. Then we, this is where saves his life. Then Rod saves Blake's life and actually punches him into the middle of the road. And so either before or after that, we find out why Blake was doing yeah, all so this. let's talk about why Blake has ruined... Spoilers coming. Yeah. If, if you haven't already been warned about all the spoilers we've been given away, this is the ultimate... Spoiler. Spoiler of the book. Spoiler. So why did Blake destroy Rod's life? It was a bet with himself. <laughs> yes, he made a bet with himself. So the reason was because he expected like Blake to have like not Blake, Rod, sorry, um, to have like a really terrible life, uh, because like he's like, like poor and, but then he comes here and like he's in his lame band, which ended up being not that bad. Kind of yeah, cool. yeah, he, he had like a dumb car, but then he comes, he's like he's happy, he has a girlfriend, he has a band, he has friends. Sure, he might not be like the richest, but he has his mom. He's 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 happy. Yeah, and so Blake's you know what like. It makes him kind of feel bad about his life. It's like, I know I'm, like, ultra-privileged, but, like, that doesn't really matter. It's like, you know what? I'm going to ruin this guy's life because I feel bad about my life now, so I'm just going to ruin his. I'm going to be stuck here for three weeks. Not three weeks. Three months. So he comes there for three months. It's like, you know what? I feel bad because I don't want to be here, so I'm just going to ruin his yeah. life. Which is kind of like Bully 101. The whole, like, I feel bad about myself, so I'm going to make someone else's life worse. Yeah. And so, as you can see, he pretty much succeeds in ruining his life. Yeah. But it's it's all okay. The band gets back together. It doesn't get back together with Audrey. Audrey. But again, he sort of he deals with that. He like excuses it and is sort of like, oh, maybe we weren't right for each other in the first place. But then he's also like, but yeah, but I haven't got a new girlfriend. She hasn't got a new boyfriend. Maybe, maybe, maybe it could. Maybe we could get back to it at some point. But so it all Sweet ends up being more. okay. And then so yeah, that's that's we pretty much talked about the actual like story plot yeah. of the book so should we talk about other stuff now Let's yeah well i wanted to talk a little bit about the comedy of the book because because we decided we decided to do a, a funny book and you know i really i love funny i love funny books one of the reasons i wanted to write write again and write for like i guess the ya age group years ago when i was looking into kind of what i wanted to do i read um mt anderson's burger wuss which is a lot different than his later work his later work is is um it's not so much like, I mean, it's still comedic, it's still funny, but not in the same way. Burgos is a little bit more like, I would say, How You Ruined My Life, where it's that weirdness of a, of a life that's not totally realistic, but then also it takes place in, you know, clearly a real world. Because there's there's comedy in this book. I don't know the name for it, but it's where things go on too long and it ends up being funny just because it keeps going and going and going. Like, there are a lot of, um, like, I think the scene when, Audrey calls him over and over again and keeps telling him about the things she finds out about other girls. It, it, it's ridiculous. Like it's, 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 it's like 50 pages of Audrey calling and saying, Hey, I saw this picture of you and like Tiffany. And he's like, I didn't take a picture, whatever. And then he hangs up and then she calls again. Like, She's like, I saw a picture of you or this thing about you. And she does it like five times. I mean, she keeps doing it and it is ridiculous because he keeps having to explain in a specific way why each girl and why each thing is untrue. But she keeps calling and it just goes on and on where it's definitely like contrived and like 
built to be funny and probably would never happen in real life, but it still doesn't feel fake or, you know yeah. what I mean? Which is why fiction is so good. And then I think a lot of the um, conversations he has, they kind of, they go farther than I think s- some authors or some, some books would let them go. Like the, some of the conversations are so funny and they just keep going back and forth. Like the conversation where he's at the door and he won't let with, let the girl in <laughs> It just keeps going back and forth, and their banter is hilarious. But at the same time, it's none of it's really moving the plot forward or doing anything. It's just funny for its own sake. And I, th- I thought that was great about this book. Is that it? It didn't edit that stuff out just to be like shorter or just to, you know, keep the things moving. It would like let us have those moments where it was really funny. Yeah, because I think some books move too fast because they're they they want to keep the plot moving forward, but sometimes you need that point where you just stop and something just happens. I mean. Sure, sometimes it can be annoying because like they'll make this like a long conversation that's super boring. It depends <laughs> if it's a long conversation that's funny or interesting. That's a completely different thing. Like if it was like any of these conversations, this book, then yeah, I totally like sit there and read those five pages of him of him talking to his girlfriend. Yeah. But like in some books, like they'll be like this long conversation about this like really boring thing that has nothing to do with the plot, and you're like, okay, okay. When, when is this boring conversation over? So it all just depends. That's it's... when you call the editor and say, editor, I'm going to cut some stuff. But yeah, I, I appreciated that because those are, the, those are the sorts of pages I would read aloud to somebody and say, listen to this, this is really funny, and read it back and forth. I also, I also enjoyed it at the points when he'd, he, he'd get really mad at you, the reader, and he'd yeah. be like, oh, you, so, you want, so you probably want Blake to be the, the writer of this book. It would be called Blake, the Hero of All the Lands. It would be turned into a movie starring <laughs> Chris Pratt as the Blake. The Hero of All the Lands. That, that was pretty starring funny. Chris Pratt as Blake. And then I'd be played by CGI Ogre. <laughs> <laughs> but everyone would be like, it's not as good as the book because not even Chris Platt, Pratt, Pratt can capture the charm of Blake. He's like, you know what? I'm just going to leave and switch to another book while Blake comes to bring his magnetic personality to these pages. And he actually switches to like a, like a, a whole excerpt. For like a page and a half. <laughs> just like, I don't think it's real books. That's what I mean about, yeah, he doesn't do weird stuff and it's not like, it doesn't serve any real purpose other than reinforcing Rod's crazy point of view, right? His yeah. Voice. At one point, he, he, he sings a whole, um, he makes up a whole song about how much he hates Blake. For his band, at the end they have that right. They have all the lyrics of the song. Yeah, and it's, and it's, it's just literally just like him rhyming like eight things. Like, yeah, his lyrics are pretty awesome. The uh, the sl- the raspberry sl- the, the uh, slushy song is pretty much just them counting how many slushies they This is probably deliberate, but there's definitely a lot of fourth wall breaking in this book that remind me a lot of Ferris Bueller, which you and I watched together a while back. Samara actually had a day where she was sick. And I was home working, and we decided to watch Ferris Bueller's Day Off because it felt appropriate for a, a day at home. But he does a lot of that, like you said, he kind of turns turns toward the audience and comments on how the, <laughs> on his disappointment in their reading, is trying to guess what they're thinking, and then him just being kind of a brat and deciding, like you said, to switch the channel or to change genres or to uh, scold them for for doing different things as a reader. I thought that was really funny. Some of them are great. Like some of the tangential sort of departures from the book into other genres of, of literature are pretty, really, pretty funny. Speaketh not that something or other, lest thy cleft of chin meet the steel tip of my dagger, Count Vargas gasped in rage. I am the advisor of the f- for fanged grapefruit, Blake Montgomery told the Count. What is that one? What does he say? Is, is this the one during the English class? Where? Of course. He's, he's thinking. He's, he's like thinking about the book 
Uh oh, said Blake Montgomery. I'm in a heap of trouble now. He does that a lot. He does that at the beginning of chapters too, where he's like, I bet you thought that after what happened in the last chapter, this was not going to happen. Well, you were wrong. And like sometimes he like congratulate He's like, oh my God, it's chapter 10 now. I'm so glad <laughs> yeah. you like, you've kept up reading this. Sorry. And like at the very end, he's like, I, I, he like apologizes for ever like switched to another book or another genre has been annoying. Yeah. So I, I thought all that fourth wall breaking stuff was pretty funny. And I, I want to read more Jeff Strand books because I don't, I, I'm curious if, it sounds like they're all funny like this. It sounds like they're a little bit more, some of them are more horror and less realistic, um, but st- still humorous. But I'm curious if he does that kind of first person, fourth wall breaking things very often, if that's purely a Rod uh, characteristic of the voice of Rod, where he's constantly self. Write more about Rod. I like Rod. Rod was pretty awesome. You know, and it. I think because of the way he talks and the way he's always going back and forth with the, the reader and with other people, and he's like, He's second guessing himself all the time because he's, he's clear he's kind of insecure from the way he talks. Even though he's got this great life, there are definitely things that, that he thinks about it that he kind of shares with the reader. And you can see that as Blake preys on those insecurities and like kind of taps into things that we already, that Rod already has in him, like the thing about like Audrey being too good for him or his band. They're great. They have a gig every week, but maybe they want to do a little bit more than that. Maybe they want to try and strive for greater things because once. Blake sets up the tour, Mel and Clarissa are really happy about it. And Rod's like, oh, I thought we had things pretty good. Maybe we could have had them better. There is this element of kind of Blake reaching in and taking him apart from things that are already existing in his in his personality, which I thought was pretty devious. I mean, do you think in real life Blake and Rod could ever find a truce and actually be First off, it was cousins? truly devious. Um mm. That was not that was not a shot out to a previous book. So what was the question? Um, the real question is, could Rod date the main character from Truly Devious? <laughs> that was not the question. What was her name? I don't remember. Um, Stevie. So Stevie could Stevie Bell. and Rod, Rod ship? Could we ship the two of them? So really what was story? their question about Blake and Rod? And I was saying in real country? life, could after everything that's happened... Was it the kind of bonding situation that the two of them would actually become sort of... Good cousins? Good cousins. Is that what they call it? Good cousins? I have no idea. Um, I mean, I don't know. I think... I think they, I don't think they'd ever be, like, great cousins, like, best friends. Not I great think, cousins. Yeah. Good cousins. I think they just, they just are, like, they're, like, fine with each other. It's not like they, like, like each other a lot. It's not like... I feel like, like they might, like, text back and forth like they do at the end of the book. But... I don't think it's like like it was a super bonding experience, and you now visit like, each other every yeah. summer or anything. I, I think it's mostly kind of like they're just like kind of casual, you know. It's like, hey Blake, what's up? You know what they need, you know what he needs to do is I was just thinking, oh, it'd be interesting to see Blake come for another visit now that they've made a truce. But then I was thinking, the sequel should be Rod going to visit Blake and staying with him for three months. <laughs> well, his mom. I'm not quite what? sure what it would be called. Well, I, I I did love how I think you know I mentioned this to you when we first read the book, but how Blake's parents go on some like super long luxury cruise and they pretty much ship uh, Blake off to stay with his cousins so they don't have to deal with him. And uh, he his first day in class, Blake tells everybody that his parents are on a missionary trip, <laughs> which is like so, so bad. And Rod's like, "What? Like that's so not true. They went on some fancy cruise. They sent him off, so I didn't so he didn't have to deal with them." And, and uh, Blake's like, yeah. And then he talks about how 
It's like I just miss my motorcycle because I love to ride my motorcycle around, let the wind blow through my hair. I just feel so free. It's like a free spirit. He's like, who? What? He was sleeping in my bed the last like three days straight because he's so lazy. I also like how like Blake would always like not Blake Rod would always like be where like Blake would like leave the posters in his room. So they like, go up and like take the posters off the walls and like look for holes and be, like where the holes moved. Yeah, and then like it wouldn't happen. And then like Blake would come in and he'd get kind of he'd be like, "What are you doing?" And then he'd like go and he's like, "Wait a minute, what kind of dolls? Toothpaste?" And you know, he, <laughs> I think Rod had some problems. <laughs> Rod yeah. had some serious problems. He was kind of a a disaster waiting to happen. He thought yeah. everything was even, but it took one. One cousin with a will to destroy his life, and it didn't take very long, did it? His life was pretty much destroyed after about three weeks. Yeah, but it all ended up being. It did all end up okay, and I, and I, you know, I have to say, after reading a lot of books that, um, a lot of serious kind of issues and things, it was nice to read something where, you know, what happened at the end of the book wasn't kind of a make or break moment for the character, and where it was, and it also was, it was like the problem was sort of solved, like in like the other ones, it would be like they're one the, the, like, their little problem was solved it wasn't like it wasn't like they got a happy ending yeah um but i feel like this he he, uh, he does get a happy ending he gets his bams back together and he's he's, he's his life is mostly fixed i mean sure he's not with audrey but he's he's happy again. he has like a and he has a new perspective on sort of his yeah. life right? so it is it is a happy ending compared to the some yeah. of the other books yeah i mean the end of the first one was but i mean these were all heavy things right it was yeah. murder in the first one uh, police shooting. Police shooting, which is wasn't going to be solved in one book, right? Yeah. And then this, like, domestic slavery, which wasn't going to be solved, but like a a small, uh, a small victory, and that the the warlord, land, guy. Uh, landlord guy was was arrested and taken away, and all that. Those are great, but for this, I mean, the stakes were so much lower, which I appreciated. With you know, it's one kid's life where he's got a band and a girlfriend, and it's not like. Either way, it's not like def, de, 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 like it's it's not like in like Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure where if the band breaks up, the whole world is going to just fall That's apart. That's true, and maybe that is the series that Jeff Strand will work on. Maybe this will the maybe the world building we talked about earlier, Rod's world building, will, will uh, construct a large Rod and Blake centered universe uh, where their relationship is the foundation for human. <laughs> yeah, would you read that? Yeah. Where fanged grapefruit, like wild stallions, is the uh, center of the universe. But it was nice to read something where it's, you know, the ending was easy to wrap up. Um, I guess balancing between books where you don't have to think too hard about the ending and what it says about the world, and then those that, you know, talk about things that we should all be thinking about. I I, I think I'd like this. It was a nice change of pace. It was just like, it just kind of closed up. It was like, yeah, his life is kind of fixed. He's he's happy. pretty happy again he's got a new perspective on the world uh he and blake are kind of okay with each other now he's right he's writing this book mm-hmm. um he we get an encore where he has a song about how much he hates blake and it's it, it, i think it just wraps it up nicely and i think it's all yeah, pretty it was it was a nice weirdly shaped bow uh all right name of a famed grapefruit song um no one you'd make up I don't know. You could like make up just any anything. I mean, they do have one where it's just the the whole the the, the title is just onomatopoeia words. <laughs> it's true. Like thud, thump, splat. Oh yeah. Thud, thud. Well, there. Uh, speaking of, of strange noises, um, 
There was the the fourth wall breaking where he decides just, to just, just say like, derp over and over again. <laughs> oh my god, that part drove me crazy. I was like, oh my god, Rod, shut up. I don't remember the, 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 the context, but he's like, I'm just going to say derp over and over again. Derp, 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 derp. <laughs> I, 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 uh, that entire time I was like, just, just stop. Just stop, please. And I feel like if I had done that, somebody would have been like, no, we're taking this out of the book. But, for, but because maybe it's because the whole book was that insane. It just uh, worked. Like, keep it in. Keep it in, Jeff. Um, well, I enjoyed this book. I really had fun talking to you about it. And like, kind of, you kept asking me, you know, where are you now? What have you read now? And I'd tell you and laugh about it. And it was something where I did turn to my wife, um, to your mom a couple times and say, this is really fun. I'm really having a good time reading this book. And it's probably because it's something I would like, I would like to write that kind of book. That's the kind of stuff I like to and write. And the nice thing is I could read that book again. Like, yeah. I mean, sure. I've read it like eight times already in like a row. So I kind of need a little bit of break before I read it again because since I was we were in Ireland that's when I was reading it and so it was like one of the few books I was reading and I wanted to make sure I remembered it by the time we got back so mm-hmm. I, I read it a bunch of time and so and I just re- reread it last night and so <laughs> I'm just kind of I just need a little bit of break from it um so two things before we go yeah one is I think it would be kind of neat we haven't done a piece of a historical novel yet I like historical fiction. I know you do. It might be kind of interesting to do one that's based in Ireland. Do like an Ireland based uh, maybe Irish wife from an Irish author. That would be kind of cool, but we'll look into it. We don't know yet. Second is uh, just, I guess, what they would call housekeeping. Um, we're, we are back now, so please um, check out our website, whydadanddaughter.com. Yay. Follow us on Twitter. Um send suggestions for books that we might like yeah we need i mean it doesn't even have to be like a book that was like i mean sure we're doing like new ya fiction but we can also do old ya fiction. yeah we could do we could do whatever at this point i think we just want to do stuff we think is fun and we have a lot to talk about um oh third thing happy birthday oh yeah it was my birthday a little while back so yay i'm, I'm great happy birthday to me how old are you 13 now, I think. 13. Officially a teenager. Darn it! Okay, on that note, thanks for listening, everybody. We hope you'll join us next time. Goodbye, books rule. And uh, it's good to be back at it. Books rule. Books rule. <laughs>